We have to set the bar around what is acceptable and what isn't because you've got all these companies that they're spending with their dollars, their production, their manufacturing, they're affecting our environment. They're affecting just the social aspects of how we're interacting on a business perspective. And they're also affecting how we're producing goods and services. So when you think about just the government and the governance pieces of it, I mean, it's major. It's really, really major. And I think we've got to start taking a a bigger look at what the impact if we don't start measuring and paying attention to it. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore here in studio once again with Chloe Goodry-Reed. And in this episode, we'll be looking at modern day reporting standards, how companies report their progress on certain initiatives and corporate goals. Recently, there have been waves of attempts to standardize reporting to conform the legitimacy of corporate reports. In this effort, The SEC has put forward some rules and regulations for publicly traded companies that will prevent corporate entities from inflating their reports and padding their numbers. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, right. You you say SEC and everybody kind of rolls their eyes and it's kind of like, yeah, here we go again. But, you know, you and I have kind of lived this, right? It's 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 like you want the standardization, but in the same, same breath, you don't want the standardization. Yes, you yes, know, you know, but so right. Yeah. And like you and I were talking about off air, you know, I've I've just come back from two very recent uh, industry conferences. Yeah. And it seems like a good portion of every conference I've attended this year and even last year virtually, there was some component about reporting, standardization, ESG, CSR. And how does that get reported out to stakeholders? So definitely a concern. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you think about reporting and standardization, it's it's like comparing apples to apples. You can't compare apples to oranges. Exactly. So you have to have some standardization in reporting. Exactly. Exactly. I think our concerns, though, are how much does the government understand about what we need standardized, right? I know. You and I are You and I are always like, needs to be standard, needs to be standard, needs to be standard. Which is a subjective thing, right? Standard can mean a completely different thing to different organizations and different people. At different different industries. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So for our listeners, for those who don't know what we're talking about when we talk about regulatory requirements and standards, let's give them just a little bit of background. So good idea. When when an investor reads current disclosures through 
you know, it can be very difficult to understand oh, yeah. what some funds mean when they say they're an ESG fund. And also it's a risk that funds and investment advisors mislead investors by overstating their ESG goals, which supplier diversity is part of that ESG reporting at this point. Yep. Yep. People are making investment decisions based upon these disclosures. So it's important that they be presented in a meaningful way to investors and potential investors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what information stands behind funds claims and you know, which data and criteria are funds using to ensure that they're really meeting these investor targets. So, right. which you know, is, it's, it's very important, right? Yeah, yes. it's very important because as investors and, you know, if you're looking at your retirement fund or you're talking to your, your broker, um, you could be like, hey, look, I am very much concerned about the environment. I want to be involved in green companies. So there are entire, I'm going to do it, uh, it's a podcast, but green <laughs> portfolios out there but when you really kind of pull what's called etfs or cefs apart yeah the company itself is not a green based industry and let's define that real fast right yeah so a green based industry is one that uh produces a product or service inside um that helps other companies achieve maybe their carbon neutral footprint or helps them meet their esg csr goals but a lot of these companies are calling themselves green. And what they really mean by that is like, oh yeah, we're still burning coal, but we have a fantastic ESG CSR program. Yeah. Right. And they're like, we have yeah, a so plan. We have a plan yeah, in place. Yes. We're green. Yes. Look at it. We recycle. And you sit there and go, well, that's <laughs> not really what I wanted to invest in. <laughs> right. right? Um, right. You know, we, I don't we wanna, give, I don't want to invest in a pipe dream. Yeah, right. Exactly. So <laughs> I really appreciate you know, this background from Gary Jensler, you know, and, and and what he said about the ESG disclosures proposal, I think it's important, yeah. uh, right? And to your point, supplier diversity plays a monstrous part inside of this uh, yeah. on a lot of different reasons. So, yeah. yeah, you know, and so I think there's a distinct danger in overstating an ESG focus. Yeah, absolutely. There's a huge danger, but I mean, I think that sometimes people think, what what is the actual danger? What is the actual, you know, fallout from overstating some of your ESG goals? Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, what I think it is, is just we have to be careful as consumers and whether that is us as small businesses trying to do business with a large corporation or if we're just doing our normal buying for our households or our, or our businesses. Mm-hmm. If somebody overstates their ESG, but we may be lulled into a sense of complacency, uh, thinking that we're actually doing, you know, working with a green company when we're not because of statements that they've made. You know, we do not have the ability to go in and audit every company we do business with. Right. Uh, We definitely don't. No. We can observe them. We can read their reports. Right. So it's really incumbent upon the corporations to be forthright in that reporting. And and present their efforts in this area as accurately and truthfully as possible. And in a way, as we kind of said at the top, that I can compare companies across categories, across industries, across size and get a good idea of, you know, who's doing the best job, who still needs to improve that type of thing. So, you know, a lot of people like, well, that's great. But how often, you know, how often do you see this? How often does this really make a big difference? And the answer is right now, not a lot. 
to be a honest. Lot. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's interesting. So we'll just I have think, to see. And I think that's another reason we have to have this type of standardization. We do. We have yeah. to set the bar around what is acceptable and what isn't because yeah. you've got all these companies that they're spending with their dollars, their production, their manufacturing, they're affecting our environment. They're affecting just the social aspects of how we're interacting on a business perspective. And they're right. also affecting how we're producing goods and services. So when you think about just the government and the governance pieces of it, I mean, it's major. It's really, really major. And I think we've got to start taking a, a bigger look at what the impact if we don't start measuring and paying attention to it. I completely agree. I completely agree. You know, and then I think a, a follow-up that I'm often asked, right? Because I, you know, the role that I fill inside our company, I'm looking at these type of things, right? How right. can we put these type of initiatives in place? You know, how can we be more proactive in what we're doing? And I mean, people have often asked me, it's, it's like, how often are people affected by this? You know, what does that yeah. mean? And, yeah. you know, I think on a grander scale, maybe not so much for our size companies, right? But when you look at a grander scale and you have somebody come to an investor, they're using their broker. I'm going to come back to that side of the conversation. Yeah. And they're like, these are the type of companies. These are the type of lifestyles I want to invest my money in. Yes. The brokers have a fiduciary responsibility, which is a big legal term, meaning they represent you and your wishes. Yes. To invest your money the way that you've asked for them to invest your money. So therefore, by not having this accurate reporting, the investors may be truly executing their fiduciary responsibilities and investing your funds to the best of their abilities. But then you find out your money's not going to green products or green companies or the way that you thought it was. So now we have all sorts of reputational risks. We have promises broken. I mean, it starts to become a huge nightmare from a legal representation standpoint. Yes. Absolutely. People yes. can use, lose their licenses behind this. And Correct. You've got these governance and regulatory bodies that make sure that brokers, to your point, right. are doing their fiduciary duty. And so- when you find out that they're not, regardless of whether, you know, they knew it or not, they are held liable for that. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, it really can start to be a huge stumbling block. So all of this now points back to, right, we'll just kind of bring the lens focus back out a little bit. And that's the SEC now coming out and saying they have new reporting standards on ESG and CSR. Chloe and I are not going to uh, purport to be experts uh, on the Definitely new. Definitely not. I'm not even sure if they're standards yet. I think they're even directional documents at this time. I think they're giving companies some grace, yes. right? You yes. know, these are suggested and directional standards. But I think what we will see in the coming years is these are the new reporting standards because we've given yeah. you enough time to make some business changes to make this a reality. Right. Right. And and if you look at it. Also, to your point, and I think that was a great one, that it's kind of a grace period. I think they're yeah. just trying to baseline where companies are right now. Right. Because right. I don't think we I don't think we even have an idea of what is bad, what is kind of standard, and then what is world class. Right. Uh, I don't I really don't even think we have a firm idea on that. I know there is like one major company in Europe um, who kind of is the standard, you know, in this realm right now. We won't mention right. their name because they don't pay us anything to say it. But I mean, <laughs> Europe is Europe is very much further ahead than we are here in the States on yeah, this. Right. Absolutely. So and, and if you look at uh, the new regulations Germany just put out within the last 60 days, 
uh, it's it's very prescriptive on what they want done. So it seems like the SEC was almost like, oh, we got to put something out. Everybody else has. <laughs> kind of felt like they were like, yeah, so we need to put something out now. Yeah, I mean, the EU and the UK have been mm-hmm. definitely leaders in this. And you see a lot of companies popping up now. I know the one you're talking about, but there are several others, you know, in the UK and the EU that have popped up yes. to say, look, we'll help with the reporting. And this is what standardization looks like. Right, right. And, you know, I was at a conference uh, on the West Coast and, and it was just in the healthcare, pharma and biotech arena. But one of the breakout sessions was on reporting, especially around supplier diversity, ESG and CSR. Yeah, And it's really interesting the standardization that's starting to come out for hospitals in the state of California. Mm. And I'm sure people are like, Adam, you're an East coast show, but let's all remember how laws happen. California goes first, then usually New Jersey, then the rest of the country. So it's always a good idea to kind of keep your eyes and ears open for what California is doing. Always. They're always the leader. around. They're always the leader around in this type of stuff. Yeah, sure are. But yeah, I mean, there's a whole standard report that's coming out uh, that the hospitals has to fill out, especially around their tier two spend. And so it's, it's fascinating. Some of these concepts that you and I have been discussing for years as supplier diversity practitioners are now starting to see like standardization and bringing forth. And it was like the first time I have ever been sitting in a, in a meeting going, oh, tier two now has some some skin in the game. Right. Because right? it used to be a lot of people would ask us what tier two that's great that's fantastic but really you can't add it to your overall spend what do you do with it right right and it was always like well it's kind of a barometer for the health of your supplier diversity program blah 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 but now i'm seeing it's like state of california is like yeah no we want you to report that because we want to understand you know how far back are you guys championing this this concept so i see the same thing happening in esg and csr especially in sustainability so it's going to be fascinating, you know, and and it, what is going to start becoming standard reporting. Another conference I was in, they were talking to small and mid-sized businesses and they were like, their suggestion was, I think this is brilliant because I know mm-hmm. we're going to do this. They're like, take part of your one pager, your capability statement that we all know and love so yeah. well. Yeah. They're like, add two paragraphs about what you're doing for ESG and CSR. Absolutely. And I was like, Yep. That's a great idea. That is a fantastic idea. But at the same time, when we go back to over-promising and under-delivering, I think that some of these small businesses need to be mindful of that. Like, you yes. can't just create these plans and not really be doing the work. Because when we think right. about, as some of your clients and some of these larger organizations, looking at some of the ESG reporting I think they're going to come back to some of these suppliers and say, okay, well, let's see the reporting. Let's, yeah. let's see where the rubber meets the road. And then it's, it can't just be lip service at that point. And you've got to be able to produce these reports. Yeah. So it's more than just saying it, putting it on a one page or putting it on your website. Exactly. You got to make sure that you're walking the walk. Yeah. I was actually talking to a very large uh, computer peripheral manufacturer mm-hmm. and they already knew what we did because of the space we play in and the terms that we use, that type of thing. He looks at me and just says, so Adam, what are you guys doing for community? That's it. That was, that was the conversation. Not, yeah. can you deliver? Can you provide? Can you cut costs? It was like, so talk to me about you guys, what you guys are doing for community. It's a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing. And it is changing the way we talk about business. It really is. 
It really is. It really is. But I think we need, I think this is always what we should have been doing. I agree. Is, you know, these companies and as all of us, you know, continue to do commerce, you know, in our nation and in the world, what are we doing to give back? You know, we're just taking, taking, taking. And I, I, you know, that's a broad generalization. Not every company is doing that. No, no, But I do think that it helps you know, level the playing field. Some companies are doing more than others and we got to get everybody up on the same level in terms yes. of sense of responsibility for our environment, for the social impact that their decisions make and the governance around how they conduct their business. See, and I think that was an important part that you just brought up is the social impact of their decisions, right? I think a lot yeah. of us, when we start hearing ESG and CSR, we think, recycling, zero carbon mm-hmm. emissions. What it's are we doing? It's right. not just that. Are you, by the way, you're purchasing enabling yeah. child labor? Are you, Absolutely. by the way that you're purchasing, encouraging poor working conditions in third world countries, right? Exactly. And, and so we have to start thinking about that, right? The 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 way that information is now spread in, in is accessible. It's we can no longer plead ignorance in these cases. Absolutely not. And yeah. not to mention that you can get exposed at a drop of a time with social media now. And so oh my just, goodness, yes. Obviously you don't want that negative no. reputational risk, but it's also just outside of that, you know, it's like we should be doing the right thing. We should be doing the right thing. I totally agree. And I think we're going to see that more and more and more in buying sentiment. Right. Especially in these generations that are coming up just uh, that have already graduated college within one to two years and are going to be graduating. They are not buying along product brand lines. No. When you look at their spending pattern. Yeah. They're buying along social impact lines. Right. Their their loyalty. I use air quotes again. Uh, is is more like what is this company doing to impact the world? Are you making yes. it a better place for me and my children to live in, other than just making your shareholders a profit every month or every quarter when you pay dividends? So it's really interesting to see how buying power is changing, and you know, but it's been that's been the rule of business since we started studying business, right? We can vote. I love the quote: "We can vote with our wallets." We can, we yeah. can. And if we want to, you know, take it from a business perspective and bring right. it all the way home, yes. we should be looking at our planet and our children as appreciating yes. assets for our future. Like we Correct. should be investing in it. Yes. By making yes. sure we're being responsible with our purchasing decisions. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. So I think if I can extrapolate from our conversation that we're both in favor uh, of what the SAC is doing. Yes. Yes, we absolutely are, because unfortunately, you know, we have to have some sort of reporting standards, because unfortunately, if we don't have that, everyone's just not going to do it. Right, exactly. And that's the double-edged sword, right? So we talked in the beginning of the program how standardization sometimes is not always the best route to go, because it does try to fit too many people or too many situations into one neat little package. Nice codes are the ones that always come to my mind when I think about reporting standards. Yes. And then, but on the other hand, if we don't have that, it is a mess and investors and people who are really trying to understand what's going on with corporate miracle, just sit there and throw their hands up in the air and go, I have no idea 
who's doing what, who's telling the truth. There is no, you know, litmus test to tell where are you in your journey, you know, and, and there, when you start thinking about that too, because that's a great story to tell is what is your journey through all of this, right? And if there is not that standard marker, right, that high water point, there's no journey to tell other than we recycled more or we volunteered more, right? So if you have to kind of have those marks, maybe they're artificial, we can debate that another time. Yes. But at the end of the day, I do think we have to have standards, right, wrong or indifferent, so that we can measure, we can grow. And, and personally, my opinion is, even if the standards are bad, a first stab at them does not mean they're set in stone, right? We right. all know they will be revised. But at least we have something to start talking about. We have to. Right. We have to have that baseline to just draw us all in. So, Chloe, why do you think, and and you work very closely with a ton of different minority suppliers, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why is this going to be important to them, right? Because you actually sit in an interesting junction, right, with with higher ground. Right. You're kind of really having conversations with both sides of the aisle at, at, at all times. So why does ESG kind of matter to our small and diverse business listeners out there, do you think? I think because just like supplier diversity, but I think that this is even going to be a little bit more closely regulated, mm-hmm. is that when you look at your overall spend, they want to make sure. So if you tie it to supplier diversity and the tier two spend, they want to make sure that they're capturing all that spend. Right. Because at the end of the day, this is happening as a result of us you know, releasing this contract or a supplier winning this contract, we want to make sure that we're capturing all the diverse spend that we can. Mm-hmm. When we talk about ESG on the social and governance and environmental, particularly for a direct spend, yeah. you know, they, they've they got these lofty goals at these large enterprise levels. They got to make sure that their suppliers are also following suit around the same regulatory standards, because right. if they're not being environmentally you know, conscious of how they're manufacturing some of these goods and services and they go into larger products or other goods and services, then at the end of the day, how socially, environmentally and and are right. responsible are you being? Because right. if you're not regulating what your suppliers are doing, then it all goes exactly. it goes down the tube at that right. point. Right. Right. You know, it was very interesting to me. I was talking to the global director of global supply chain for a very mm-hmm. large bank. Mm. And he said that the issues don't lie at the direct or the tier three or the tier yeah. two. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's tier three and tier four. Yeah. Yeah. And I was Absolutely. just, I was, I was just starting to get blown away in this conversation at dinner. I was like, Oh my goodness, but you're right. So that's why we do have to be very conscious about it because corporate America is going to start looking at us like, so what are you doing? Because you're the risk. You're the risk, you know, but I think there's also a positive impact for small and minority businesses in that corporations don't know what they're doing. Right. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for brand new industries that we probably haven't even thought of inside this quote unquote green space that small and diverse firms are going to be perfect to fit because of their able to be nimble and move on things. Yes, right. So yes. if I was a business owner, I would be pulling apart the SEC's new regulations yeah. to figure out, hey, is there a business case in here? Is there a niche business case? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're create, there's so much opportunity for new businesses to come in and help these organizations because it's hard to change a lot of what you're doing and change just your mindset and your yeah. thinking. So yeah. you need innovators like some of these small businesses and some of these 
next generation entrepreneurs to come in and help you with solving some of these very, very complex problems. This has been a great conversation. Great conversation. More to great. come on these SEC yes. regulations oh, and yes. how they're going to affect both large and small corporations. Yep. So thank you so much for listening and be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Gidry reed and Adam Moore. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and check out previous shows. Stay tuned for next time. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I.O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.